Chapter Fifteen of Lost for Love by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen. The face of all the world is changed. I think since first I heard the footsteps of thy soul move still, oh, still beside me as they stole betwixt me and the dreadful outer brink of obvious death, where I, who thought to sink, was caught up into love and taught the whole of life in a new rhythm at the end of the fortnight the doctor came back looking all the worse for his london work haggard and pale and careworn his friends noticed the alteration he had been working too hard they said unhappily for dr ollivant however it was not professional labour that had brought the change in him he had been trying to live without flora trying to forget the charm of her presence schooling himself to endure his life without her or any hope of future union with her trying his uttermost and failing piteously love when he fastens on a victim of cuthbert ollivant's age is not the tricksy spirit that leads youth along the path of pleasure with a chain of roses the eros of middle life is an implacable master who binds his slave with fetters of iron and drives him with an iron goad mark chamney welcomed his old schoolfellow with more than usual heartiness he was happier than when they had parted happy in the assurance of flora's future the grip of his hand had all its old strength you look all the better for branscombe mark said the doctor do i well you see i've been enjoying myself more than usual this last week or so hardly complimentary to me said the doctor don't suppose i haven't missed you ollivant for i have my pleasure has been purely vicarious i enjoyed seeing our youngsters together walter and flora have been so delighted with the place and the fine weather and each other it has done my heart good to watch them the doctor's face clouded as it always did at any mention of walter leyburne master of himself as he was in all other respects he had not yet learned to govern himself in this they had planned various excursions for the week a drive to an old church among the verdant wooded hills called tadmore in the wilderness a church which had long been disused except in connection with the picturesque secluded burial-ground that stretched at its feet a church which according to west country tradition was one of the oldest in england the wagonette was in attendance at eleven o'clock next morning and flora prepared with a neatly packed basket containing a pigeon pie and a pound cake a punnet of big scarlet strawberries and a bottle of cream with other bottles etc which made the basket rather heavy she had shawls and rugs in abundance lest dear papa should feel cold and was full of loving care for his safety walter was to be coachman an office for which he had begged earnestly mark took the seat at his side so flora and the doctor sat opposite each other in the wagonette an arrangement which filled the doctor with delight he had come back to branscombe reckless of the future determined to get just as much happiness as he could get out of the present without afterthought or calculation to sit opposite to her in that rustic vehicle to see every change of shadow and sunlight that flitted across her innocent face to talk to her and listen to her gentle intelligent replies to be with her undisturbed her companion and friend and counsellor what deeper joy need he ask of the present hour than this he shut his eyes to the future therefore and abandoned himself heart and soul to this immediate happiness mr chamney was in a talkative mood went over his australian experiences familiar ground to walter and the young man had about as much as he could do to attend to his companion and the horse no time for turning round to talk to flora except for an occasional word or two about the beauty of the landscape 
three of the party had to alight a good many times to walk up the hills which are of the steepest in this district but the doctor insisted that mark should keep his place such hills as these were not for him to climb he assented with a sigh it's a hard thing to get old and feeble he said when i think of the mountains i've scaled in australia and find myself unequal to these mole hills i am disagreeably reminded of age and decay walter led the horse and flora and the doctor walked side by side he told her all about the wild flowers she gathered from the steep green banks beside the road their names their properties all the attributes that tradition or poetry had given them to think of your being a botanist exclaimed flora wondering at his knowledge i should be a poor physician if i did not know as much about simples as an old woman there was a time when the world was for the most part doctored by old women hecate like hags who found healing or sometimes death in every hedge there is hardly a leaf in yonder bank which might not be used for good or ill nature has no negatives the drive lasted a long time in this leisurely fashion walking up all the hills and walking down the steepest descents loitering on lofty spots to admire the landscape stopping at a roadside farmhouse for a draught of new milk and otherwise dawdling so that it was two o'clock when they mounted the last hill and found themselves at the gate of the old burial-ground it would have been a sacrilegious thing to picnic among the tombstones so they carried the basket into a little bit of wood which bordered the old churchyard the horse and vehicle were disposed of at an adjacent farmhouse the only dwelling in sight of the church utter silence reigned in the wood silence and solemn beauty who can wonder that unenlightened man worshipped his deity in groves and woods to every mind the forest has a sacred air and seems the natural temple of the invisible god darkness and silence are his attributes and here they reign perpetual flora drew closer to her father awed by the silence as they entered this little world of shadow that joyous spirit was suddenly clouded darkness and shadow reminded her of that awful shade which walks this world of ours and hovers near us even in our gayest moments she put her hand through mark's arm and looked up at his wan face you are not tired dearest papa no baby not more tired than usual that sounds as if you were always tired she said anxiously well darling i don't pretend to be the fellow i was ten years ago in queensland but i mean to enjoy myself to-day for all that so you needn't look unhappy pretty one whatever span of life i have remember that my later days have been very pleasant and that you have made their sunshine always remember that little one flora threw herself on his breast with a sob papa papa you pierce my heart when you speak like that as if we were not to have many happy years together as if god could be cruel enough to part us we must never call god cruel said mark solemnly remember him who knew deeper sorrow than man's wildest grief yet did not complain the girl choked back her tears and clung even more fondly to the father's arm after all said mark chamney gaily i dare say when our parting does come it will be the sound of wedding bells my darling will think it no hardship to leave me when she departs with the husband of her choice no papa no husband shall ever take me away from you whoever wants me for a wife must make his home in my father's house but i am a poor little insignificant thing and i don't suppose any one will ever want to marry me i feel as if i was born to be an old maid see how fond i am of canaries that's an awful sign 
mark chamney laughed aloud the old genial laugh which neither pain nor weakness had changed why baby do you think i'm blind do you suppose i can't see the state of the case between you and walter papa said flora seriously he doesn't care a bit for me then i don't know what caring means indeed papa you are quite mistaken he likes me very well perhaps as a younger sister but no more than that i know mistaken pshaw as if my eyes were not keener than yours it's the lookers-on who see the most of the game flora but perhaps you don't like him flora was silent her father looked down at the sweet young face suffused with blushes eyelids drooping with tears on their dark lashes never mind darling i won't ask for an answer i know and the future will show which of us was right and now no more serious talk to-day you enjoy the ride up here baby oh yes papa the scenery is so lovely and ollivant is a pleasant companion eh a delightful companion papa i felt a little cross at first when we set out and not having walter i did not say that of course not baby but dr ollivant talked so nicely that i couldn't help being interested he seems to know everything and understand everything and he is so kind and thoughtful i shall never be disagreeable about him again papa i'm very glad to hear that flora for ollivant and leyburn are the only friends we have come we had better make this our halting-place the other two will find us presently the other two had remained behind to see to the horse and carry the basket between them the halting-place mark had chosen was a little opening in the wood which revealed the wide-spreading panorama beyond as seen through an arch of greenery a tiny brook of clearest water rippled over the pebbles at their feet a rugged bank crowned with tall pines offered a comfortable seat here mark spread his furry rug and stretched himself out in luxurious ease while flo's soprano voice called from a little knoll to give the basket-bearers notice of their destination they arrived almost immediately and the basket was unpacked with all the gaiety which usually attends the emptying of a picnic hamper it was such a thoroughly sylvan business altogether the feast of the simplest the banqueters the most temperate dr ollivant the grave physician the man upon whom premature age was wont to sit as a garment the recognized authority upon cardiac disease was to-day the gayest and to all appearance the happiest of the revellers there was not enough alcohol in that modest bottle of la rose which the three men shared among them to inspire a spurious merriment it was all genuine mirth and mark listened and looked on admiringly while flora and the doctor talked walter on the contrary was more silent than usual he was thinking of lou's day in the country and of what deep rapture such a scene as this would have inspired in that ardent soul he remembered how she had spoken of the forest meaning epping it would have been pleasant to see her dark eyes glow with delight at sight of yonder wide sweep of hill and valley verdure and woodland but it was a vain thought lou was treading the scholastic mill under the stern eye of miss tompion and never more must he and she make holiday together the idea of her imprisonment the memory of her last imploring look saddened the painter in spite of himself he hardly heard flora's fresh young voice or the doctor's graver tones he began to feel tired of this holiday life tired even of nature's beauty the whole thing seemed childish 
he turned from dr ollivant with a scornful look wondering that a man with some claim to intellectual distinction should be capable of finding delight in such foolish pleasures mark chamney noticed his moodiness why what's the matter with you walter you and ollivant are like the old man and woman in the weather-glass when one comes out the other disappears your spirits were high enough yesterday but now that ollivant's here they seem to have gone down to zero i am not so learned as the doctor sneered walter and am not capable of enlightening miss chamney upon woodland traditions and superstitions with the eloquence and erudition which have distinguished his conversation this morning jealous thought mark pleased poor fellow he's over head and ears in love with my little girl and is jealous even of ollivant walter rose directly the simple feast was finished i'll go for a ramble among the hills over there he said while you all amuse yourselves exploring church and churchyard i want to stretch my legs a little after that long drive flora looked disappointed don't you want to see the church she exclaimed the oldest in england i have no passion for old churches but i'll come back in time for a look at it we shan't leave here in a hurry i suppose no we can stay till five answered mark looking at his watch it's just three that gives you young people a couple of hours to amuse yourselves as you like i shall indulge myself with a nap he made himself comfortable upon the rug flora assisting she had forgotten nothing that could ensure his comfort she had brought an air-pillow for his head and the softest of shetland shawls to enfold him in its fleecy web not once did she look up at walter as she knelt by the invalid's rustic couch she too would have liked to ramble among those verdant hills but it was not for her to propose it she felt that he was unkind for wishing to leave her that of all vain dreams her father's was vainest yet only yesterday i thought that he cared for me she said to herself with sorrowful resignation walter lit his cigar gave his friends a careless nod of farewell and departed promising to return in an hour mark composed himself for slumber you'd better take my little girl over to the church he said to the doctor that young fellow won't be back till it's time for us to start i dare say he's gone to think out some grand idea for a new picture i'll be bound flora sighed gently yes that was it perhaps two artists must live sometimes apart in a kind of cloudland it was wrong of her to feel vexed with walter for liking a lonely ramble shall we go and explore the old church asked dr ollivant after an interval of placid silence mark chamney was fast asleep by this time if you please said flora waking from a reverie if you think papa will be quite safe here i do not think any danger can assail him there is no treacherous east wind we may safely leave him for half an hour and we shall be within call if he wants us flora rose and they went away together side by side ah happy if life could have gone on thus thought the doctor he would have asked no higher delight than the passionless joys of this summer afternoon a little gate opened out of the wood into the old burial-ground and they went in among rustic tombstones moss-grown and decaying with here and there a modern monument of higher pretensions and here and there a humble wooden headboard with rudely cut inscription the ground was irregular on one side of the church a sleepy hollow sheltered by perfume-breathing limes a chestnut or two and a rugged old oak which spread its branches wide over one quiet corner on the other side an open plateau commanding a wide range of country the church looked like a forgotten church in a forgotten land 
the ivy had pushed in among the decaying stones of the tower loosening the masonry time and weather had honeycombed the stones in some places and a heap of fallen rubbish in one corner hinted at swift coming ruin the upper half of the tower had been patched with boards on the windward side and the lower half which had once been the entrance to the church was occupied by a clay-stained barrow a pickaxe and spade and some loose planks the grave-digger's dismal plant after making the circuit of the church they found the village guardian of the temple a man who was at once sexton and grave-digger and gardener not that this churchyard in the wilderness knew much of the gardener's care but here and there he pegged up a wandering rose-briar or cut down a bank of dock and thistle he led them into the church whose interior presented no remarkable feature save indeed a primeval simplicity suggestive of a departed age there flourished on tall slate tablets the ten commandments that pillar of faith by which old-fashioned churchmen stand staunchly in these days of change the most evangelical mind might have been satisfied that here at least lurked no popish blandishments no trappings of rome bare benches a pulpit like a packing-case bare walls rudely plastered a brick floor a cupboard for the sacred books another cupboard for the parson's surplice a tablet or two to the honour and glory of departed church wardens who had made small bequests for the support of the church no more the ivy creeping in at the diamond-paned casements the blue sky seen athwart the dark tracery of an overshadowing yew these were the only beautiful things to be seen in the church of tadmore in the wilderness flora's interest was soon exhausted that dull grey interior suggested no romantic memories only the idea of fat farmers and their families worshipping in that barn-like edifice sunday after sunday with sluggish souls attuned to their sluggish lives they went back to the burial-ground and here flora found ample food for thought she looked at the ages of the dead and felt a little shock whenever she came to the record of some sleeper who had numbered less than her father's years when he was called away alas how many even in that rural region where death should be a tardy visitant had been summoned in life's meridian she turned from the tombstones with a shuddering sigh the doctor close at her side and ever watchful of her face noted look and sigh and guessed the current of her thoughts how hard that death should walk the world stealthily she said if there were one appointed hour for all to die the common doom would be easier to bear we should know the end must come and prepare for it prepare for death prepare for parting there would be no agony of suspense no wavering hopes and fears it is the surprise that is so cruel those we love are not taken from us in the course of nature but snatched away unawares tread where we may we are on the edge of a grave the days of man are threescore years and ten says the scripture but that is not true look at my father she cried passionately bursting into tears can you promise me that he will live to be seventy those tears unmanned the doctor passion so long restrained slipped the leash in a moment he was on his knees upon the grassy mound clasping flora's hands as she leaned against the sunken headstone covering the poor little hands with kisses my love be comforted he cried god will not leave you desolate if one great love must be taken from you there shall be another greater stronger more utterly devoted to replace the lost affection my darling don't shrink from me like that there never was a woman loved better than i love you rarely a woman loved so well you must have guessed it you must have known it even though to your mind i seem old and grave and outside the pale of love and hope flora pity me 
that last appeal a cry of anguish so utter touched her in spite of her pained surprise pity you dr ollivant she said gently i do indeed pity you if you can be so foolish if there is any meaning in this wild talk meaning it is the one meaning of my life i never carried away the memory of a woman's face till i saw yours the loveliest have passed before me like pictures in a gallery or making even less impression on my mind but i saw you knew you watched all your pretty looks your gentle womanly ways and my mind opened to the understanding of a new world love and hope and home and wife and children the idlest words men speak had not been emptier words for me till then i knew you and home and wife became the one purpose of my existence god knows i have tried to do without that vain dream to live without you but i cannot i cannot if you will not be my wife there is nothing before me but misery i am so sorry faltered flora very pale frightened by the force of this passion so terrible in its stern reality not in the least like any lover's talk she had ever imagined sincerely sorry that you should think of anything so impossible pray be reasonable dear dr ollivant remember the difference of our ages it did not hinder my loving you it would not prevent my making your life happy if you would only trust me i would be husband and father in one protector guide your youth your innocence your gentle yielding nature need a stronger helpmate than some boy lover whom you might choose for the brightness of his glance the sunlight on his hair boy and girl love is a pretty thing in poetry flora but poor stuff to stand the wear and tear of life trust a love that is the outcome of manhood the fruit of a ripened mind rather than that careless fancy of youth which is fleeting as the foam upon a shallow river oh dear said flora in a sheer distress of mind what can you see in me a poor little insignificant creature that no one notices you who are so clever you who know everything i never knew love till i knew you flora or youth or hope you brought me the bloom of my late youth at the time when other men are young i was old i am as young as the youngest now the heart is the true timekeeper you are so good so wise so true a friend to papa faltered flora half frightened half flattered there was a thrilling sense of power of her own importance in finding herself loved like this a novel intoxication her glance softened the tender curve of her lip relaxed into a gentle smile she was sorry for the doctor's infatuation a little proud of having inspired a passion so romantic if i had never known any one else she said hesitatingly if you had never known him cried cuthbert hope rekindled by her softness and with hope jealous anger if i had come first and come alone i might have had my chance he robbed me he who is incapable of an honest love how dare you say that exclaimed flora flaming out no name had been spoken no name was needed to indicate the subject of their speech what right have you to set yourself up as his judge no right flora but some experience of mankind it is not hate or jealousy that speaks when i tell you that walter leyburne is incapable of a noble self-sacrificing love it is conviction unstable in all things thou shalt not excel 
he will never be a famous painter for he is not true to his art he will never be a faithful lover for he has no constancy of purpose he is that shifting sand which never bore a noble edifice he is that wandering star of whom the apostle speaks clouds they are without water carried about of winds trees whose fruit withereth without fruit twice dead plucked up by the roots it is shameful of you to speak against him shameful cowardly to depreciate him in his absence and to quote scripture against him as if st jude had any unkind feeling about poor walter added flora restraining her tears with a struggle mr leyburne is nothing to me or at the most only a friend but i detest people who speak against my friends then you detest me flora yes i am sorry for that i detest you when you are unjust and unkind said flora half relenting of course i can't altogether hate you for you are papa's friend his doctor too you hold the keys of life and death perhaps oh be kind to him take care of him don't punish me by neglecting him am i quite a dastard flora if the waste of all my life could prolong your father's for a year beyond god's limit i would surrender my life as freely for your pleasure as if it were a cup of water given to a thirsty wayfarer what sacrifice of self would i not make for your sake ay even to the last worst sacrifice of all to see you happy with another on my soul and honour if i had thought walter leyburne the man to render your life happy this wild prayer of to-day should have remained unspoken i would have locked my lips no temptation not even the sight of your tears should have beguiled me from my steadfast silence i would have gone down to the grave adoring you to the last hour of my life but with my love untold i have strength and will and courage enough even for that flora i know you are great i believe you are good answered the girl looking up at him with wondering eyes awed by the depth and strength of his passion too good to make me unhappy by talking of this foolish love so foolish since i am so unworthy of it no you are more than worthy what is there on this earth better than youth and innocence for a man to adore my tender violet fresh and bright with the dew of life's morning no ripe red rose that ever flaunted her beauty in the midday sun owns your gentle charm oh flora can you not choose between a weak wavering fancy like walter leyburne's and a love so strong as mine alas you know not how much i renounce for your sake how sternly i had planned my career and how little room there was in the plan of it for an absorbing passion i never thought that love could be needful to my life till i knew you you have awakened a dormant soul flora you are bound to cherish to succour it do not thrust it from you to perish in outer darkness for me there is no medium between delight and despair the blessedness of being loved by you and the blank misery of existence without you his words took deeper meaning from the sombre fire of his dark eyes the utter intensity of look and action the hand which clasped flora's with a grip of iron every vein defined in the white surface every muscle rigid physiologists might have read the man's soul from no better indication than that firm strong hand a man born to set himself against the impossible resolute to recklessness if need were oh dear exclaimed flora piteously i don't know what to say i don't know what to do 
it is such a shock to me to hear you go on like this dr ollivant when i have always looked up to you and respected you and been grateful to you for papa's sake i beg you never to repeat this wild talk let us forget that you ever talk so i hope you'll be happy by and by and find some good clever wife who will suit you ever so much better than a foolish little thing like me flora if i had come first if you had never known walter leyburne would there have been any hope for me then he asked desperately ignoring her wise little lecture i am afraid not you see you are so many years older than i am i don't think i ever could have thought of you in that light even if even if you had not loved walter leyburne said the doctor you have no right to say that you know that mr leyburne is nothing to me god grant he may never be any more to you than he is now it would make no difference in my feelings towards you cried flora indignantly god grant it for your own sake said the doctor with a moody look he rose from the green hillock on which he had been kneeling all this time at the girl's feet holding her slender wrist with that strong hand of his constraining her to hear him to the end he rose with a gloomy look upon his rigid face and turned away from her it was all over he had said his say prayed his prayer he knew no farther plea that he could make his glimmer of hope the pale ray that had lured him on till now was extinguished for ever he was not angry with flora for her refusal that mighty love he bore her passionate though it might be was not the kind of love which failure and disappointment can transform to hatred he might detest his happy rival but for flora he had no feeling save tenderness she stood by the headstone hardly daring to look up while dr ollivant moved a pace or two away from her she was angry with him for his depreciation of walter but sorry for his foolish infatuation never before had she seen grief or passion in a man it was like being brought face to face with some inhabitant of a strange world pity and wonder divided her mind flora said a light gay voice at her elbow she looked round with a start and a faint cry of gladness oh walter is it you yes i've had a long ramble and come back to show you the church you're very kind replied flora with dignity i've seen the church and i'm quite ready to go back to papa she had forgotten his bad conduct at first in her delight at seeing him it had been such a relief to hear his voice to see his frank smile after that awful look of dr ollivant's as he turned his gloomy face away from her just now then perhaps you'll show me the church i suppose having come here for the express purpose of seeing the place one is in a manner bound to see it that's the worst of a picnic the drive is delightful the luncheon is always agreeable but the lion to be done afterwards is generally a bore i don't think you can see the church unless you grope your way in through some door that's been left unlocked by accident the man who keeps the keys has gone home and he lives three miles away he told us so communicative creature in that case we'll consider the church done any remarkable monuments in the churchyard yes a poor little freestone cross in memory of a landscape painter whom the nation might honour with a nobler memorial said dr ollivant looking round go and look at his grave mr leyburne and see how easily even greatness may be forgotten his pictures fetch large sums at christie's but the grass grows high upon the mound under which he sleeps upon the slope of a westward fronting hill in the glow of the sunsets he loved to paint nothing in the doctor's calm tone indicated the struggle of the past half-hour 
he possessed that heroism of daily life the power of keeping his emotions in check strong must have been that spring-tide of fashion which had carried away the floodgates of prudence a little while ago they went to look at the painter's grave which dr ollivant had discovered by chance among the humble memorials of village tradesmen and tenant farmers the afternoon sunlight bathed the spot in its soft golden glow it was not a bad resting-place better perhaps save for the credit of the nation than westminster abbey i should like to go back to papa please said flora he must have finished his nap by this time then we'll go to him how pale you are looking flora cried the painter the oldest church in england has been too much for you i do feel rather tired poor little fragile flower and i have been to the top of that hill over there and feel none the worse for the journey flora and walter went back to the wood where they had picnicked leaving dr ollivant alone in the churchyard he was moving slowly among the turf-bound graves an image of gloomy meditation not inappropriate to the scene they found mr chamney seated on a pile of pine trunks smoking his cigar and contemplating the landscape with a look of serene thoughtfulness he had been meditating upon that one subject which lay nearest his heart his little girl's future to him it seemed clear and bright enough despite flora's doubts he welcomed them with a smile what you two have been together all the time after all i have been to the other end of the world at least to the top of that hill over there said walter and then i made a circumambulation and got back to the churchyard but not in time to show miss chamney the church dr ollivant had anticipated me well i think we'd better get off as soon as we can if you've had all enough of tadmore in the wilderness there's a high tea or something ordered by eight o'clock isn't there baby yes papa it's nearly six and the drive takes two hours but we won't spoil a pleasant day by hurrying the close of it where's ollivant ruminating upon the end of life among village graves we did not presume to disturb his solemn meditations but i know where to look for him when the wagonette's ready they strolled slowly through the little wood and went into the farmyard where flora fell in love with a mild-faced devonian cow ruddy as the rich soil on which she was pastured and admired all the varieties of a farmyard life with the fresh enthusiasm of a city maiden while the horse was being harnessed when all was ready they found dr ollivant at the churchyard gate serious courteous as of old and bearing no trace of that consuming flame which had transformed him less than an hour ago he was more silent than usual during the homeward drive but none the less tender in his care of flora gentle was the hand with which he adjusted her shawls and wraps lest the evening breeze should be too chill for her safety gravely sweet his tones when he spoke to her once something in the expression of his face touched her unawares she looked up suddenly and surprised his look of infinite love perhaps after all he is right she thought deeply moved by that revelation of despairing love if i had never known walter i might have learned to care for him were it only out of gratitude for such deep affection what would it have mattered to me that he is ever so many years older than i he honours me so much the more by his regard yes i might have loved him a little i dare say if i had never known walter End of chapter 15